Welcome back, everyone, to Merge Conflict, your weekly developer podcast talking all things development because we're developers. I'm James Montemagno. My buddy over here, Frank Kruger, is with me. And this is a podcast where we do not have a secret 30% developer tax because you can <laughs> podcast for free. Did you know that, Frank? Uh, free. What a deal. <laughs> Hi, everyone. I, I hope we're worth at least free. But if you do want to be paying more than free, who, who wants? People should do that. They can do that at Patreon. Did you know we, we have a Patreon, James? I'm literally, as you mentioned, I'm posting our bonus episode of Merge Conflict called The Hidden Apple Tax, where we deep dive for 20 minutes on The Hidden Apple Tax that Elon discovered by himself and shared with the world. Um, so if you want to get our deep inside knowledge on that, you can become a patron that helps uh, support the show. Uh, I think it's as little as $2 a month and you get access nice. to everything. Everyone gets access to everything. Um, and I don't have a blue check mark to give you, but... You can message us and we read them. That's cool. I mean, the backlog of those Patreon episodes is basically just tracking our insanity levels over time. We try to sound very sane on the podcast here, but in the Patreon, we're, we're not sane. You can you can deep dive on riveting, con, riveted, riveting content, riveting, riveted. Mm. It's riveted because it was in the past, but such as uh, last week's bonus title, Water. Before that... <laughs> Bonus episode titled Grumpy Old James. Bonus episode oh. before th that. Uh, <laughs> bonus dot dot dot. Bonus dot dot dot. Bonus dot net seven time. Bonus X codes. Bonus Spicy James audio edition. Ooh. Um, yeah. So anyways, those are the riveting uh, podcasts that you can get over on the website. I'll put a link. There's already there's been a link in the show note forever they've always been there and there are six 57 nice. patrons that are hanging Whoa. out with us so we appreciate that thank you all yeah i love making those episodes too so if you do want us very unfiltered <laughs> yeah. please think of joining yeah make it super simple Ooh. okay um frank this week we have a very delectable topic that surprisingly we haven't covered it all um but i was using a new piece of technology that we may have mentioned in the past, but I actually was using this for like an entire day yesterday. And it was because I was getting the .NET podcast application up and running Ooh. on .NET 7. We, we highlighted this at .NET Conf. And the .NET podcast app is a, um, a Blazor website, an ASP.NET Core website, .NET MAUI apps, Blazor hybrid apps. It has microservices, has database integration, has Azure container apps, has all the things in it. And at .NET Conf 2022, that just happened last month, um, there was, it was part of the keynote that added new features such as uh, the new uh, minimal API grouping and versioning. They showcased dev tunnels with it. They showcased the Dockerless or Docker fileless um, microservice imaging container stuff with it. <laughs> and then additionally, they showed off some new like logging and insights and all this other stuff. And I have been maintaining this with a few other folks. I helped uh, build it moons ago and manage the project uh, when it was first came out. And uh, something recently happened uh, in this, which is the deployment mechanism that we use is all GitHub action based. But the deployment does many, many things. It not only builds all of those things that I just told you, 
but it will also deploy all the microservice backends. It'll configure all of the endpoints and app secrets that it needs. And then it will also deploy the website as well. And if those resources in Azure don't exist, it'll also scaffold them out because it uses something called bicep files. Ooh, oh bicep gosh. files. You know about bicep files, Frank? No, but you're you're scaring me a little bit with all this. I know this is everything every website has to go through, but when you mm-hmm. enumerate it the way you have been, it's just like, oh my God, there, there's so much here. But tell me more. Uh, so microservices, please tell me this has nothing to do with the microservices. No, we're actually, everything that I just talked about, we're not going to be talking about any of that. I'm not going to, well, I mean, I want to talk a little <laughs> bit about bicep files, but only in the context in which I needed to edit and test the bicep files out and things like that. <laughs> what uh, in the world is a bicep file? Okay. James? Do you do you remember ARM templates? ARM templates? Are we speaking a different language? No. What's an ARM template? Uh, an ARM template is an Azure resource management template. Oh, ARM. ARM. Okay. Er. Got it. Yep. Er. Okay. Is this like an XML file? Is it a PowerShell file? What is it? It's like a JSON file. Of course. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Bicep is the kind of the next generation of that, I would say. It's a domain-specific language that uses declarative syntax to deploy Azure resources. And what's nice about it is it has par- it has very simple things like params for parameters and variables. And you have these resource groups that have names and mm. it, it's kind of like a mixture between, um, yeah, it's a language. It's, it's a language, <laughs> it's, it's language as, okay. as it's code as infrastructure, right? Instead of I, file as infrastructure, that's the difference. Yeah. Cynical me wants to say all configuration file formats grow until they become a programming language. That's what it sounds like happened here. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and um, I, I've heard of these. What's what's the famous .NET one? Palumi? I think mm. they're actually using like C Sharp to do resource management. So they, they gave up on config files also. But instead of creating a brand new programming language, they just use C Sharp, I think. I hope I'm getting that right. I think that, and then also like Cake does some stuff like that as well. There's a bunch of different things, very, very similar, but it's all for setting up and configuring Azure resources, right? So where you would use your GitHub uh, Codespace YAML files for your code as infrastructure. This is a way of just specifying and scaffolding out um, your Azure resources. So this is nice because you can easily say, so my backend API, for example, I have a very simple resource SQL server, and it has a specific, you know, instance of it, kind of like a version. It's Microsoft.SQL servers, and then there's a name, mm-hmm. location, properties, SQL DB. You can set up a SQL firewall rule, a storage account, a you know workspace, a Kubernetes environment, an app, you know, API container app. So you specify all these things inside of it. And mm-hmm. um, Marcus, uh, who um, works on a bunch of different products, but worked on the the, the Playwright team and works on a bunch of other stuff, um, um, helped add Playwright Test to this repo, which is really cool. And Playwright Test is a, is a web UI testing framework. So similar to like Selenium or Cypress, but it's from Microsoft open source and, and works on every programming language, basically. 
And uh, he had created a bunch of playwright tests that, that were demoed mm. as well. So that was really neat. And uh, Debbie, who works on my team, they, they demoed it um, actually at Donut Conf, which was really cool. But uh, in so he was like, hey, you have all these ARM templates. Like we should upgrade those to Bicep. And I was like, cool. Yeah, go do that. And then he did it. <laughs> and then I noticed that there was a bunch of hard coded values in it. And I was setting up a staging environment. So what I wanted to have happen was here's the scenario is like we have basically deployment. We had a staging slot, but then we didn't have a staging slot for like the API. So I was like, okay, like really we're moving from .NET 6 to .NET 7. So I need to actually have a fully separate staging environment so I can run everything on .NET 6 that's in, in prod mm -hmm. and everything in .NET mm -hmm. 7, the other one. So I was setting that up and doing all this stuff and I needed to edit the files. and I was like, okay, well, I'm not compiling anything. These are just configuration files. I don't need anything special. So I went into vision into GitHub and I do what everyone does, which is I hit dot. And when you hit dot, <laughs> that sets up uh, github.dev, which um, is a lightweight code editor. Let me, let me interrupt. It's an amazing lightweight code editor. It, I, I think I was the last person on earth, <laughs> except maybe if anyone hasn't heard of it before here on the podcast, uh, about it. Yeah, hit, hit the dot in GitHub and you get basically VS Code in the browser. It might take a second to load if the, if the repo is kind of giant or something like that. Mm -hmm. But then you get all the good search functionality. You get all the syntax highlighting. It's a way better way to interact with GitHub than with trolling around in the file UI, which I always end up doing anyway because I'm an idiot. But every so often I remember to hit the dot button and it's fantastic. And all that does is it change is github.com and whatever the URL is of like the stuff of the file location to github.dev. And you can do this anywhere. And especially if you're doing markdown file editing, this makes it super nice. And there's source control built into it. So like I actually write blog posts in it. Um, which is really, really nice. It does support some like de deployment types of things, but I mostly think mm -hmm. of it as just a lightweight, not even just a file editor, file browser explorer. <laughs> you can have all the search stuff, right? So if you're, if you wanted to do, for example, my favorite part of VS code, my favorite feature of VS code, it's silly, but it's literally the search and the regex searching that you can yeah. do. It's super powerful. And the replace is like amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's what I use it for 90% of the time. <laughs> I, I have a million windows open that are mostly there just for the search. Yeah, yeah I agree with you. And I, GitHub search has a lot of things it's trying to do. Um, but if you ever use GitHub search, the search code, stop it. It's not doing it well. <laughs> yeah, get, get yourself over to integrated VS code. So where's the story going? Okay, so the story is you guys have a very complicated infrastructure thingy for mm -hmm. some app that has lots of little moving pieces, lots of little services and everything. Yep. That is up and running, but you're trying to migrate it to .NET 7, so you want a second or third or fourth staging environment to mm -hmm. do that deploy to. Mm -hmm. For some reason, you're doing this, James. I don't know why you got tasked with this job, but for yep. some reason, you are doing this. It was on the DevOps board, yep. And you are learning a lot of DevOps in <laughs> right now. Um, okay, so you hit dot because you're you're lost in the code and you're trying to find something. Please continue the story. Exactly. 
So I open the bicep file and I'm like, cool, here's the bicep file. I'm just like, here's the things I can go in, I can edit it, I can save. And my life is good. My life is great because I don't, I don't even need to pull down the code. I don't need to sync the branches. I don't need to do anything. I don't, I don't, I could just open it up. I could do the stuff locally, but why do it locally when I can just hit dot and edit in the browser <laughs> to make one line code change? You know what I mean? Yeah. So with PRs, as long as you have a good PR system and all that, I, I'm all for it. Exactly. And, and correct. Like you can make branches and stuff inside of this thing. It's really great. It's, it's fantastical. Now here became the problem of the next, next part, 22 minutes to get to the actual uh, <laughs> hook on this one. What's the topic today, James, please tell me. <laughs> so I go and I'm, I'm talking to Marcus and I'm like, Hey Marcus, like, can you help me solve this problem? Blah, blah, blah. And do a code review. And I share my tab and he's like, um, it's like, what's going on here? He's like, he's like, how come all of your bicep files just, you know, text. He's like, oh, install the bicep extension for, for the, oh. for this thing for VS code. Yeah. Uh, so I tap in VS code and it says the bicep extension is not available in visual studio code for web. And he's like, oh, you're in VS code for web. He's like, get into a code space. And I was like, oh boy. And I was like, am I not in a code space? I thought I was in a code space, but spoiler alert, I'm not in a code space. I'm in <laughs> a different, the code space looks exactly the same, but it's not basically is what, what I've, what I've now found is I thought that when I hit dot, it was kind of a code space, but no, a code space is different, Frank. And but, when, okay, <laughs> and, sorry. I want to try to decode uh, Microsoft marketing and, and naming of things. Okay, so let's do this. What do you call that little editor in GitHub that you get with a period? That is Visual Studio Code for web. Awesome. Okay. So I know of another technology. I know we've talked about dev containers. These are fun. You put mm -hmm. little dev container configuration files in your root of your project, and then VS Code runs itself in a container all configured like a like all set up for you doing the right thing and that's great but that's still running on your machine it's running on your docker instance now code spaces james what in the world is a code space it's your workspace in the cloud um <laughs> that's what it says so good when, marketing <laughs> so when you click on the code button to clone the code there's local that makes sense. And there's, you know, here's the HTTPS for the, the Git stuff. There's open and GitHub desktop, open in Visual Studio, download a zip. I don't know why you download a zip, but you could. <laughs> then there's a code space. And then what you can do is you can say, create a code space. And then when you create a code space, it gives it a really long, weird, funky <laughs> URL, but it is at github.dev. Now, the difference here is it's doing what you just said. It is basically creating an environment, a virtual environment on the web that is backed by not just bits and pieces of a lightweight file editor. It's actually like Visual Studio in the browser, Visual Studio code in the browser with services that are running inside of this environment. So for example, you can run .NET and Node.js and and you can install extensions because it's literally mm -hmm. up in there from my understanding. So I, the difference here is now I can go in to the extensions and type in bicep and I can hit install and it's going to install this extension into my code space made for me 
of this running up. Now, the cool part as well is that once you have the code space run, you can actually open the code space in a bunch of different scenarios that support code spaces. <laughs> so a code space obviously supports the browser, but it also supports Visual Studio Code, JetBrains Gateway, and Jupyter Lab. So you can open ah. it in those areas and you can boot up the code space there. So that enables you to go in. You have a full terminal available. You have ports. You can forward a port. You have a debug console. It's basically VS Code in the browser. <laughs> cool. Uh, so is this a how, how does one configure this environment of their dreams that is running in the code? Uh, is this a different configuration file than my dev container configuration file? I'm, I'm assuming it is. And tangential to this question is, are you actually running your apps in it too? Are you setting up the infrastructure for your app to run a staging environment, I think you called it? Uh, or is this just still separate from that? You're, you're doing this mostly to get um, free extension installation without modifying your machine. Yeah, correct. It's, it's, it's enabling me to work as a developer without having to install anything on my machine. Now, the difference is, the dev container, think of it as a pre-configured code space. This is my understanding. And if anyone wants to correct us or like the code space and the dev containers team wants to like mm -hmm. come on to the show and let <laughs> me know how wrong I am, let me know. But my, <laughs> my thinking and like my understanding, I think is that there's basically a pre, if, if I just, if I open the code space, and I don't have a dev container configuration. It just like, gives me a default one that has stuff installed for me, but I can create my own that a code space or VS code could open and connect to it. I think code space as a dev container that's pre-configured, but that could be the wrong notion. But like rest assured, I open this inside of, I opened it up and I, there's a terminal and I said .NET dash dash version and it returned 7.0. Like yeah. it's installed and it's ready to go. And I have my workspace, which is my code files. And if I do, you know, CD source, slash web, um, I should be able to go in. Let me just do this. I'm going to do that dash the, web. And I should be able to like run my app. Mm -hmm. So is that a Linux machine, a Windows machine? What is that? Uh, Virtual machine, your dev container. What is it? Oh, it must like? be Linux. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's neat. Okay, so it's a dev environment, but you can still obviously run your app in it. That makes sense, uh, right? So you can run .NET run, and hopefully your little website will pop up. It, I, I am guessing the URLs are terrible, hopefully for security purposes. <laughs> that's what I'm, that's what I'm I am at this point running .NET run. I'm going to see what happens. I, haven't, I didn't try this, but what ended up happening to my surprise is like I installed the extensions like I installed the yeah the C sharp extension I installed the bicep extension and then everything just like lit up and it was magical and I got IntelliSense for all these things and it was like amazing okay I I have to pop the amazing balloon just to say this is it is actually a free service up to like 60 hours per month mm -hmm. but after I think different pricing everyone go go check the pricing but this is a pay service you get some free upfront so i i am curious james how does it remember state at the end of your deving time do you really have to commit to a repository or will it save away uh an image of your hard drive 
at snapshot time. Well, the code space is associated. This is the difference actually with um, with what we're talking about. The, the code space, I just don't go to GitHub and say, give me a code space. A code space mm-hmm. is of my repo. Okay. Okay. Mm, I'm still thinking, I'm hoping you still have some um, temporary storage. So if you just put a file, hello.txt, mm-hmm. I wonder how long it would persist for without committing it or anything. So I think what happens is when you set a snapshot of your desktop, I think what happens is when I say stop, stop code space, it tears down my code space and takes a snapshot of that. So it's it's a snapshot of a VM, I believe, or or similar type of scenario is my understanding of it. Because like right now, because I did this like two days ago, I had some changes in in a code space and it was all checked out and I didn't commit anything yet. Right. So things are there. I opened up the code space again, it booted it back up, and then it just returned me to my state of where I was at. Very nice. Okay. Th- that's always my concern with cloud services. I'm like, but I never finish anything. All my tasks are half done. Yeah. <laughs> so I need a way to resume tasks without having to actually be a good programmer and create branches and all that kind of stuff. Yep. That's good to know. Yeah. And so that's pretty generous, 60 hours free that you can basically abuse Microsoft servers for. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure there's got to be a million limits on that, but 60 hours for free, you get a virtual machine. That's not bad at all. Yeah. And there's even a whole setting up your C-sharp.net project for GitHub code spaces tutorial yeah. that they have. They have a whole template. Um, that's really nice. One thing to your point is that... Um, GitHub Code Spaces does use a dev container.json file. So you can, if you're already using a dev container, your code space will use that dev container. Okay. See, that's the connection I was hoping for. Mm-hmm. I kept bringing it up because I'm like, I hope these two things are united because they make obvious sense for them to be. I've already put the time into making the dev container. Yeah. So that's great. So I don't have to. <laughs> the reason I'm actually thinking about this is. Um, I hate installing Docker on the M1. It works. Mm. They, all the virtualization works on my, sorry, on my MacBook Air M1. Um, but it's still, I hate keeping Docker configured. It takes up all the space with its images and everything. And the truth is, I don't do 60 hours of web development a month. I just don't. <laughs> and so this is actually a really nice fit for me to, uh, yeah, just keep all my junk in this code space. And I, and I think the, the powerful part of this ends up becoming that, you know, as those extensions and all those things update, you just get access to them. But then the other part of it is to your point is I can be working in this code space and I can just jump from computer to computer, or I could open it technically on my phone if I wanted to, right. (laughs) You know, um, and commit that code. Now there are definitely ways and editors to do that, like continuous. And then there's of course other, um, um, get integrations, but mm-hmm. if you just had your iPad with you. Like this is not a bad way of doing some on the go coding in the browser, right inside of Safari. Yeah, hundred percent. Especially for server work, I like. We, I I wish we could do this for app development. You know, I wish I could do mm-hmm. this with all the iOS tooling because just today I'm installing a new version of Xcode because this is incompatible. That's incompatible. I wish I could just change a configuration file and all of a sudden I had new versions of Xcode. Won't that be a dream? You could do that with GitHub Actions, but it's terribly expensive. Yeah, <laughs> to try to do that. Um, but 
for webby stuff where you're using Linux or Windows, whatever. Um, this makes perfect sense, especially because you, you hate installing like databases and things on your own machine. So already you're going to be using containers or something on your own machine. So you might as well let, let Microsoft give you 60 free hours. A month. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And here's what's also cool about it, too, is when you go and create a new code space, you can you can just say, give me one from my branch. Like, just give me one. Just give me the default. Or you can go in and say, hey. Give me a code. Sp- Here's what's really neat. Give me a code space for this branch, for this region. Like, let's say you're in Europe. You could say, hey, give me a code space, like make it in Europe. Like, take my code, bring my <laughs> computer so it's closer, right? So some people, oh, it's a VPN in, right? But then you yeah. can also say, hey, give me a 32-core machine <laughs> with 64 <laughs> gigs of RAM. But- and uh, you know what I mean? <laughs> My pricing chart does not include that, James. The pricing chart I see says two cores, 60 hours free, four cores, 30 hours free, eight cores, 15 hours free. So I'm assuming your 32 core gives you about two hours free, but yeah. I don't think they're even going to let you do that. I think I think you have to give them money if you want those machines. I, I'd assume so. I mean, I'm at Microsoft, so it's a Microsoft repo. So I get I get to do that, uh, I guess. I see. Um, I think you have to request those maybe because there is a <laughs> there is a um um you know actually if you go to one of your repos you can do like create for repo or whatever and then it'll say machine type and then it says need even more power contact our team so I'm assuming that that's the the case there like let me see what happens yeah. when I go to my profile if I go to like let me just go to like a, a repository here like okay source generators oh no maybe the .NET seven feature one let's see so I go there and then I tap on your code. Give me a new. Ooh, there's set up pre-built. What is that? See, there's like so many cool <laughs> things. Oh, there's pre-built. Set up a pre-build. Well, I think it's only the people lucky enough to work at Megacorps that are going to get to use the 32 core versions, at least for now. Uh, I, I loved all those Microsoft demos of like 256 core ARM machines. Mm. So I, I'm waiting for those, but for now, I think I'll stick to my two cores. That's for me, for me. It allows me to pick 16 cores inside of nice. the drop down on my personal account. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then it says need even more power, contact our team to enable 32 cores or okay. GPU machines. What does that even mean? Oh my so gosh. You could do training amazing. or oh something like that. That's I'd pretty cool. That's pretty cool. I don't know. Oh. Well, they're making it very easy to spend money. So <laughs> keep them in person. But I, I do love the ease. Like I said, I already have a dev container file, so this is yeah. perfect. I'm hoping I can do next to nothing to enable this and take advantage of it. Yeah. And yeah, and then like you said, you could use that dev container locally too inside of VS Code, which has that support or mm-hmm. Visual Studio, and then boom, you're good to go. It's nice that it's kind of like standard, you know, for at least for what we're doing. So should, is there anything to continue on your story? So you were you you had too many ARM files, you turned them into bicep files. Mm-hmm then someone showed you the bicep extension. I just need a little conclusion to this story. Was the bicep extension worth all this effort? Was it glorious? Did you finally figure out how to deploy this thing to a new staging environment? I totally did. So the cool part then is then once I got all the IntelliSense, it would like give me the linting and hinting, all the stuff that I needed um, to figure out all that stuff. That that was super duper cool. Um, So that really helped me like set up parameters. It was like I was coding for real. So before when I was just doing it in the, in the browser, it was like, I was opening notepad, 
and editing. Now it was like I was opening VS Code <laughs> with all my extensions and all my stuff in it, and I just booted it up for five seconds. So I don't know that was to me so super cool uh, in general. And yeah, we we totally did it, and we pushed out the updates, and I committed the code into main today, and everything was deployed and totally good to go. And yeah, it, it happened. So I don't know, just kind of a cool experience where I haven't really found a need where I was like, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, create a code space and start my development on it yet. Like, mm -hmm. because I do a lot of client development. However, in this, this instance, I was doing a lot of backend development. So it would give me the ability to scaffold out that infrastructure that I need in there. And I could, they could then see how cool this would be as if you were, for example, working on a big open source project that you wanted to standardize what people were, were using to build and deploy and created those con you know, dev containers or concurrently at an organization, right? You're all working on projects together. If you'd used again, now, you know, code configuration as a dev mm -hmm. environment, I don't know. It seemed, it just seemed like it was cool. And I was like, I don't know. I just want to talk about how cool this was in my experience of how I got there, which was a long, crazy journey, but I got there. <laughs> yeah, I, th this is all bad because I'm, I'm realizing I, I got very excited for this at one point. And it was all because I just got a random PR for someone on uh, the Fugit website. Mm. People wanted to be able to work on it without installing all the garbage and everything. And the uh, dev containers were an elegant way. And I, I was just curious because I was looking back and they're like, and this could be used for code spaces in the future. Mm. And I'm like, oh my God, we're finally living in the future, even though um, these people had to drag me into it, kicking and screaming, because I was like, what is this thing? It sounds complicated. I'm against this. But it's great that that technology is really grown up yeah and it's pretty easy to use now the next thing i need to figure out is dev boxes oh stop it <laughs> so i am noticing just just for reference um i do have a dev container in the fugit gallery but there is not a default code space of course like you said you can create a default code space but i think i'm gonna take the time to go through all my open source projects and make sure there's a good, easy to use code space there too. Just wanted to put that in there. It, it does take a little opt-in. You got to hit a plus sign, things yeah. like that. Boom. Yeah. And to the point of client development, what I'm really, really interested in, and I'm trying this out now is there's dev boxes, which are in preview. And that is literally your workstation workstation in the cloud, right? So I think the idea yeah. there is instead of it being you're limited to um, the repo, its configuration. Yes. Here's an entire yeah. dev box, box in the machine. <laughs> but okay. unlike I, a VM, there's pre-configured projects, task-based things, deployment scenarios that you can, I guess, I guess, and they're self-service a little bit. So they're different than a, a VM that's up there. but I definitely want to try that out because I'm like, okay, is that the thing I could get? Which is I have my dev box in the cloud and then I just boom, tap it. And I'm good to go. Yeah, I get the argument for that, but I, I think I really like the elegance of the dev containers mm. and um, code spaces. 
just being very specific to the project. But I get it. Like, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure the dev container doesn't support Mac. Maybe it does. Maybe I'm wrong. But Mac is never supported. Uh, but it would be neat to get, like, a dev box for Mac. I'm not sure if they're announced that or anything. But just saying, sometimes virtual machines are nice for that. There, there are Mac uh, cloud providers out there, but it'd be nice if it's all integrated into one place in a easy to use config file. <laughs> I think I think it's really fascinating because you have dev container or dev containers and um, code spaces, which is like Linux based, right? I don't think you can be like, give me a Windows based one. No. I don't think I don't think that's a thing. But then, oh, okay, I don't think so. I don't know. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think dev boxes are window based thing. <laughs> Ah, uh, okay. Got to get the windows in there somehow. Yeah, that sounds like you're just getting a temporary virtual machine with good backups. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> and all that security stuff figured out for you. And no long-term contracts. All that good stuff that we like. But I don't know. Um, I, I feel a little silly that I, I was so deep into dev containers and I never really took advantage of these code spaces. So I'm really glad that we did this episode. It's a little eye-opening. I'm sure we've mentioned in the past and I was like, yeah, yeah, that sounds okay. But I think you've really made it clear how advantageous this is. Yeah, I think so. I think it's pretty neat. And I want to just kind of test it out a lot more and see what, is next you know i was kind of against this a little bit in the very beginning um oh this is cool i'm like testing out dev box but I like this is in, pre- in preview but you know i was kind of against it in some form because originally i was like oh like you know don't tell me you know don't tell me what i'm gonna install you know <laughs> on my machine <laughs> but then it really comes down to like oh actually like maybe that's pretty pretty cool and i'd like it for like take an app like iCircuit. I, I can't do like the Mac builds in there, but I can certainly do the um, test builds and run the tests. Mm-hmm. So I can definitely set up a code space, even for iCircuit, that I, I can at least play around with logic and different things like that. I mean, there's even a web version of iCircuit in that folder somewhere. <laughs> I can even <laughs> run that. But uh, yeah, so I think even even if it's, even if your code is for an app, I think there's still nice tricks you can do with this just for quick, quick coding without having to set up your environment. Yeah. Well, I'm also interested what other tools people are using too. I know that these aren't the only tools that got to be out there. There's got to be a bunch more. So if you're using some other cool tools with your GitHub projects, or maybe you're not using GitHub and using other things, like, let me know what that experience is like, or maybe we've actually, you know, doesn't everyone, everyone does everything in the cloud now, right? We're, we're probably just old people because we still like dev machines. <laughs> I think so. Could be. Well, you know, God, I could go deeper on this, but I think that was sort of the, the final frontier that people are saying is like, don't people just really like their dev machines and they don't want that stuff. And I would say yes, but also no, be, because I do like having all my things local, but here's what I don't like, Frank. I don't like having to install all like when I need to like do one specific thing, then I got to go install a whole like, you know, whole workload or a whole thing. And then there's all these nougats. Like I was clearing out my, you know, I was clearing out my machine packages. Okay. And, yeah. My packages, I was clearing out my <laughs> packages and all this other stuff. And sure enough, like I just had like a ridiculous amount of 
um, storage, like being used and it was just cluttered up. Right. Yeah. It's just what it was, yeah. what it was. And I was like, okay, like it'd be nice to not have this all cluttered on my machine, for example. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so good. Uh, I just want all of this for iOS development too. Please. That'd thank be cool. you. That'd be cool. <laughs> That's the final frontier. That is for sure. So <laughs> cool. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so that's what I had. I don't know. I didn't really have I, a lot, but hopefully that was okay. I, I don't know. It's funny. We we keep talking about web, but uh, it's it's even funnier that you got put in charge of uh, making sure this deployment is going to work. And so I'm glad you persevered, and I'm glad you learned something and got to share it with all of us. I think yeah. it worked out in the end. Yes. And if I ever, whenever dev boxes become a thing, I'll test it out. I mean, they're in preview. I don't know if I have access to it, but if I do, and once you do, that'd be cool to try out too. But yeah, go mm -hmm. try this on some of your projects. I think especially for libraries, you have test projects. Like, I feel like it'd be really neat. I don't know. It's cool. Especially if you're just like, I don't want it to clone a whole thing, do a whole thing, get a whole thing going. Mm -hmm. that, that's what I think I, I realized what I really liked about it. So. And like you said, it's it's those VS extensions. I never have the right ones installed because some are annoying. And so I install them and uninstall them per project. Oh, yeah. So I'm yeah. taking advantage of that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Funny. Exactly. So. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Let us know what you think. Um, yeah, I don't know. This is so cool. I like just new technologies and I know we're like code spaces aren't like new, uh, <laughs> but you know, whatever they're new to me. So that's all I care. That's all I care about. So, um, yeah, that's it. Thanks I everyone. Thank you, James. Yeah. I think we did it. Cool. All right. <laughs> cool. Talk to y'all later. <laughs> bye bye. Wait, right, let me finish it off in the right way. Well, Frank, that has been yet another episode of Merge Conflict. So until next week, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.